Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. Amen. But I do have some things that the Lord has put on my heart, and I want to share those with you tonight. My, my title, I'm a, I'm a simple person, so I only have a one-word title tonight. And uh, they may be ready. To, there you go. Put that up there. Looking. Looking. Um, young people tonight are looking for that companion that they're looking for for a lifetime. Adults tonight are looking for the paycheck at the end of the week. Try to pay the bills, right? Keep the lights on, buy some groceries. The jobless person tonight is looking for a job. The homeless man or woman tonight is looking for a place to live. Maybe looking just tonight for a place to stay out of the weather and be warm. Thank God weather has changed a little bit. The builder is looking for the next house to build. The runner is looking for the finish line. The student is looking for the diploma. The teacher is looking for the classroom. The preacher is looking for a church to pastor. That's what I do because I know they are out there looking for church. So in some regard tonight, everybody in this building is looking for something. You have your eyes set on something ahead of you that you want to achieve or some goal that you want to reach, looking for something. Now there's a scripture that I want to use tonight as a basis for what I want to share with you, and that is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's here's my key words right here in verse 2, looking unto Jesus. Uh, Can I just stop there long enough tonight just to say if you're suffering from difficulties and you have problems and you don't know what to do and where to go and you don't know who to call on or which direction to turn to, can I just say start looking at Jesus because he has the answer for you tonight. You don't need to call anybody. You don't need to call your best friend you don't need to call 911. You don't need to call the Mercy Line in Oklahoma or California or anywhere else because a lot of those people won't know who you are. But if you'll call on the name of Jesus, He knows who you are and He knows what you're facing. And He is more than able to deliver you and help you through your dilemma. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you bow your heads? Let's just pray for just a moment. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your presence. I feel you're here tonight. And I know that you're here because you're always here when we come together. We understand from your word that wherever two or three are gathered together, you are there in the midst. And I'm believing that you're here tonight, and I'm asking you to fill this place with your glory, to touch every life, every heart, every person, young or old. Touch us here tonight with the presence of your Holy Spirit, so that when we leave this place tonight, we'll be able to say it has been good to have been in the house of the Lord. Let's look at some scriptures tonight, if you would. I, I don't. Uh, I don't know if they had time to put these scriptures up. Maybe they did. If they don't, that's all right. I'd like for us to look at some scriptures tonight that talk about looking, or they, or it uses the word looking. And so, would you just give me an opportunity to share that with you tonight? Let's begin in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 26. The Bible says about Lot's wife, but his wife looked back. I just want to stop there tonight and just say it is a dangerous thing to start looking back from the direction that you've just come from. It is unsafe in a spiritual sense to look back. Once you've started your journey for the Lord Keep going with Him. Keep traveling with Him. Keep pressing ahead. Don't ever look back from where you have come because it has a way of pulling you back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus and you'll make it through. Lot's wife, however, she looked back. and The Bible says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 the Bible says that the Lord looks at the heart. Now, this was during a time when they were trying to find a king, anoint a king for Israel, and the prophet of God had gone to look for this newly anointed new king for the nation of Israel. And the, the head of the house, the, the, the uh, uh, family leader of that family, uh, decided to bring out all of his sons, and he brought the big, strong ones out. He brought the handsome ones out. He brought, he brought out the most educated and the smartest out. And God said, these are not the ones. Do you have anybody else? And so the Bible says the Lord then doesn't look at statue. He doesn't look where, to where you've been and what you have accomplished. He is looking at the heart. And tonight God is looking at your heart and my heart because the heart is important. Now it's not talking about that that organ of our body that pumps the blood. It's talking about the seat of our affections. And I'll deal with that just a little bit more later tonight. So the Lord looks at the heart. He doesn't look at who you are and where you've come from and who your family is, he's looking at your heart. What is your heart saying? And then in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, the Bible says that unto them that look for him. 
shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The New International Version of the Bible says that in place of look for, it says eagerly awaits for him. And tonight that talks about the fact that we believe Jesus Christ is coming again. That's foundational for our faith. I, I don't know how, I don't know what you believe or what your background may be, but uh, for most of us here tonight, we have a great anticipation this evening, and that is that we believe that Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth like he said he would. When Jesus ascended into heaven after his, after his death and burial and resurrection, he ascended into heaven and there were two angelic beings that appeared there and they said to the people that were looking, observing, looking into heaven, why are you standing here looking into heaven? And here's the, here's the great word right here. This same Jesus that you've seen go will one day come in like manner. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Now, there are some people that have come up with this idea recently, and maybe it's been around for a long time, but it's sort of resurfaced here lately that Jesus somehow has already come back and that the rapture has already taken place. I want to disagree with that tonight because I know that hasn't happened because I'm still here. Amen. And you're still here. And when Jesus comes, we're going to go home to be with him. We're not going to stay here here in this old world any longer. Now, if you're of that persuasion, then God have mercy on you. If that's what you believe, you go ahead and believe what you want to believe. I'm going to believe what I want to believe, and I believe Jesus Christ is coming again. The Bible declares that he's coming back. But unto those who are looking for him, are you, the, the question then is, are you looking for Jesus to come back? Are you looking for him tonight? Are you looking for him? And then uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, talking about Abraham. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. Now, the interesting thing, as you know, about Abraham was that he never found that home. He was always looking. God had called him to leave Ur of the Chaldees and follow him. He didn't know. He had no idea where he was going or what God was going to do in his life. But he followed the Lord. He followed God's leading because he was looking for a city which have foundations whose builder and maker is God. The Bible tells us that there's going to come a day when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, aren't you glad about that tonight? Amen. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. God is preparing for us a place. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare for you a place, and if I go to prepare for you a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You want to know where Jesus is tonight? He's working on my house. He's working on that place of abode for me. Amen. I got in a lot of trouble a few years ago preaching about this, and I said, my wife will have one mansion, and I'll have one next door. I got into all kind of trouble for making that statement, so I'm not going to say that again tonight. 
I'm going to keep my mouth shut about that and realize that uh, right now while we're here on this earth and, and the Lord is helping us and the Holy Spirit is working in the church and, and people are getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and doing a great work in this world that we live in of bringing people to the Lord, while we're doing the work of the Lord, Jesus is building my house. Well... I wish you'd ask me what I like to have in it, <laughs> because that would be an interesting discussion. I'll guarantee you. <laughs> My mind just going crazy right there. So, I have one of those Ronnie Reed moments. <laughs> uh, Titus chapter two, verse eleven, twelve, and thirteen. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Now, boy, I'd just like to raise up a little flag right there, and you, you say, well, how am I supposed to live? Well, this, this verse tells you how to live soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present world, don't wait until you get to heaven and think, well, when I get to heaven, everything's going to be perfect. It will be. But I want to tell you, if you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to start living right, walking right, talking right, doing the right things, following the book, following the guidelines that God has placed in his book. Or you may not make it. <laughs> um, I, uh, I don't mean to bring bad news, but hey. If you don't live right, you're not going to make it to heaven. I wish somebody would say amen. amen. And then he continues by saying, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope. Now, there are four things that I would like to share with you tonight as it relates to looking. Or look. First of all, I want to declare to you that we need to look upward. We need to look upward. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. And then it asks a question. Look, look at that. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn and look at that because. I've often read this, and, and I, I just sort of read it all through, but I didn't realize that the next part of that is a question. It is not a statement. Lift up your, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. That is a question. In other words, where is my help coming from? And then the writer gives the answer to that question, he says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth and I will, he will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your coming and your going from this time 
forevermore. I'm going to lift up my eyes unto the hills because my help is coming from the Lord. I just want to say tonight, sometimes we need to get out of the funk that we may be in, that down and out feeling, that miserable existence that you're living, and realize that if you look up into the hills, the Lord will deliver you and set you free and give you joy and peace that's un- unspeakable and full of His glory. Looking up is, a, is opposed to looking down. Have you ever seen people who are always looking down? They're always sad, they're always despondent, they always look like they've, that, that their mother-in-law just moved in to live with them. <laughs> I just got in trouble with all the mother-in-laws, didn't I? They say that it's a sad day, it's a sad day when you look up and your wife, your mother-in-law's riding over the cliff, but when you realize she's driving your car, it really becomes a bad day. Well, that didn't go over too good. I'll move on. Don't drop that. Let's move on. But have you ever known? Have you ever known people? And we've all we've all had this experience. You know, people. All they talk about is gloom and doom. I don't care when you see them or where you see them, maybe even at church, they always have their head hung down. They're always singing a sad song. They're always talking about how miserable they are. They're always talking about how badly they've been treated. They've always talk, they're always talking about the negative things that have happened in their life. I want to say to you tonight, it's time to look up. Not to look down. Look up. Don't look at where you may be living right now. Realize that where you're living right now is not permanent. You're not living in permanency. I want to tell you, when you look look up to the Lord, He will make a way somehow for you to get beyond where you are. Woo! Hallelujah! So, as we're looking up, Realize that it is opposed to looking down. The devil beats you down. Adversity beats you down. So-called friends often beat you down. Fear beats you down. Brokenness beats you down. Circumstances beat you down. But I came by tonight to tell you, lift up your heads. Look up to the Lord because the Lord will make a way where there seems to be no way. All of these things may beat you down, but that's not where you're to live. You're to live looking up, knowing that the Lord will make a way for you. Whoo! Thank you, Jesus. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8 says that we're the apple of his eye. It's talking about Israel. And talking about that Israel was his chosen people, the very apple of his eye. We are spiritual Israel, if we can use that terminology, because we too are children of God. We too have been redeemed and bought with a price. 
We are the children of the king. Amen. We're, we're not orphans anymore. We, we're not destitute anymore. We're children of the king. And if you want to know what happens when you look up, you begin to realize that God will make a way for you because you are the apple of his eye. <laughs> now, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to think that I'm the apple of Jane's eye too. I didn't hear that. Maybe it's a good thing. But I'm sure she did. Because I would say the same thing about her. Uh, I never have told you about that first time she saw me. And how she was just awestruck. It's amazing what Lee College will do for you. You know, just, you go to college, get an education. I went to college and got a wife. <laughs> Worked out pretty good. I mean, we're still together. She's the apple of my eye, and I hope I'm the apple of her eye. But in, but beyond all of the natural, we are the apple of God's eye. That means He looks at us with pleasure. That means that He's concerned about you and me. That means that he is always conscious of who you are and where you are. And you may feel deserted and alone sometimes, but I'm here tonight to tell you that when you look up, when you look up to Jesus, he will let you know that he is with you, that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, regardless of how you may feel about it, he's still there. I don't know if you've ever... I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I have. There have been times where I have felt all alone. And I have felt like God was a million miles away. I prayed and I couldn't feel anything. I sang and I couldn't feel anything. I preached and I couldn't feel anything. But oh, when the realization hit me one day, even though I may not feel Him, even though I may not always sense Him, He is always with me. He has never left me. He has never forsaken me because I'm the apple of his eye. He's watching over me. He's, all, he's watching over you. You are special in his sight. Looking up to God expresses confidence in his ability to help you. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. <laughs> I will not fear what man can do to me. When we look up to God, it, it expresses our confidence in Him that He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Do I have a witness in this house tonight? Has he done that for you? Has he pulled you through difficulties? Has he pulled you out of the muck and the mire that, mire that you find yourself in? Have there been times when you didn't know if you were going to make it or not, but somehow God showed up on the scene and he made a way where there was no way? Oh, hallelujah. I said God will always make a way for you. Don't get me excited tonight might have to have a spell. 
God will make a way when we look up. Secondly, we need to look outward. Looking out allows us to focus on others. We're able to forget who we are and what our problems are, and we can see others who are in need of help. The world that we live in can often pull us down until all we can see is our little world and what's happening to me, my world, me, what's happening in my life, what's happening to me. But there comes a time in your life where you need to not only look up, but you need to look outward and realize that you're not the only one on the face of this earth. And you're not the only one that's struggling. You're not the only one that's having difficulties. And realize, get out of that world of your own and realize that there are other people out there who need your help, who need your strength, who need your guidance, who need your influence to come to the Lord and be saved. Jane and I were uh, down at Dunkin' Donuts a few Sundays ago having a cup of coffee and a, uh, a muffin before coming to church. I must say it's one of my favorite hangouts. <laughs> and uh, I told my son, Johnny, tonight I said, be sure to fill out a visitor's card because they'll send you a gift. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, if he didn't want it, I'd take it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite places. we <laughs> I mean, you got to think ahead, right? You got to work this thing. <laughs> we we were sitting in Dunkin' Donuts that Sunday morning, and uh, on the inside, we were sitting inside, and and this guy came in. And I looked up, looked at him, and I thought, "Whoa, he's rough looking. Long hair, muscle bound, you know, real tough looking guy." I thought, man, he looks like a hood or something. You know, he, I believe he could hurt you if he wanted to. He probably could. <laughs> but I, I was just sort of analyzing him, you know, looking at him. And, and I love to watch people. I'm a, I'm a people watcher. If you have one ear shorter than the other one, I will notice it. <laughs> I'm, I'm truthful. You know, if you have a finger missing... I'll see that. I mean, right off. I, I notice those things. I'm a people watcher. And um, so we were sitting there, and this guy comes in and gets his coffee. And uh, when he was leaving, he turned around, came back over to where we were sitting. And he said, are you Pastor Cash? I said, yes, I am. I didn't, I didn't know what to say, you know, I I didn't know if I was going to get mugged or, or, you know, whatever. And, and he came over. He said, are you, are you Pastor Cash? I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, I just want you to know that you visited. He said, you visited my daddy when he was in the hospital. And it made the world of difference in his life. I said, well, who was your dad? I thought it might have been somebody that I would remember or know. 
And he told me his dad's name, and I have no earthly idea who he is. But, but sometimes you need to realize that you're a light in a dark world. And you don't know who you are influencing just by being the Christian that you are or should be and letting your light shine, coming out from the gloom and despair and getting involved in the world that you live in and spread the joy of the Lord wherever you go. I, I have no, that made my day. That, that just made my day. I, I, because I was, when I was working here, I was also chaplain at the hospital. I was the lead chaplain at the hospital. So every week I was up there visiting people coming in and out of the hospital. And, and I guess somewhere I, I made contact with his dad while he was in the hospital. And I never knew what impact I may have made in his life. And here this young man comes and, you know, I, I, had, I had drawn my opinions of who he was and what he was and And it just blew me away. I'm thinking, oh, God, thank you, Lord, that somewhere out there that I've spread a little joy, a little peace, a little of the love of Jesus in somebody's heart. So we need to look outward. We need to get involved in things that are going on around us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the Great Commission says, For we we are to go, we are to go into all this world and preach this gospel to every creature. We we don't have time to sit back in our misery, in in our complaining state, in our miserable state. We need to get up, look up to Jesus, and let Him bring you out. But when you get out there, let the love of God and the joy of the Holy Ghost spread in your life into someone else's life. And have an impact on the world that you live in. Helen Keller, Keller was said to have made this statement. He said, I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man with no feet. And sometimes all we can see is the fact that we don't have any shoes. All we can see is our own problems. All we can see is what we're going through, the difficulties that we're facing. But I want to tell you here this evening, somehow we've not, we need to get up and look outward and realize there's a hurting world out there that needs you to come by and spread the love of Jesus. Looking out allows us also to discern the times in which we're living. John chapter 4 verse 35 says, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. Now, these are the words of Jesus. He says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. I want to just reiterate this tonight. We're living in troubled times. I don't have to say that tonight. You know that. (laughs) I may get in trouble right here. I do. I'm old enough to take it. <laughs> I, I can take a licking and keep on ticking. Like the old Timex watch. 
If you watched the debate last night, <laughs> did I have to bring that up? I didn't have to, but I just did. If you, if you watched the debate last night, so it was called, <laughs> hopefully when it was all over, you sat down and thought, we're in a mess. <laughs> this country is in a mess. Come on. Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get on one person's side or somebody else's side. I'm just saying that this world that we're living in tonight is a mess. And it's not going to take Trump. It's not going to take Biden. It's going to take a move of God in this world that we live in to get this world straightened out for we, so that we can do what God has called us to do. I opened that door, I ought to stay there for a while, I guess. <laughs> These are troubled times. We've never seen days like this. We're just, we're just trying, to, we're trying to get to the end of this COVID-19 mess that we've been struggling with for months now. Turned our world upside down. We've never, ever faced a world like we've been living in for the last few months. We're living in troubled times when, when, when hoodlums are called peaceful demonstrators. Our world's sick. We, we, should be con we should be overly concerned about what this world is going to become in the future. And I'm not trying to predict any gloom and doom and whatever, but I just want to tell you one thing tonight. Jesus is coming. And before he comes, this whole world is going to be in a mess. And it's in a mess today. So if Jesus comes tonight, I'm going to say hallelujah. Come on. Come on, Jesus. And all of you folks that don't make it, Y'all just go ahead and do what you want to do because some of us are going to be gone and we're not going to worry about it anymore. Come on now. Somebody say amen. When you, when you look out, then you're able to discern the times in which we live. You're able to discern the things that are going on in this world and realize that we're living in the last days. Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Timothy talks about the fact that we're living in the last days. He said in the last days, perilous times will come. Last days. If you've never, if you've never researched uh, last days, you need to do that. Because a lot of people have interpreted the term last days as some future event that's yet to come. But if you go back and read the Bible, even the apostles in their lifetime and the writings of Paul, you'll find out that they talked about that being the last days then. And if that was the last days then, how much closer are we to the coming of the Lord and the end of this world as we know it? He says, in the last days, perilous or dangerous times will come. I got a call the other day from a 
Jerry Mace, who's our campground caretaker, director, coordinator, uh, keeps our campground in Waimama uh, up to par, takes care of everything. He called the other day and said over the weekend, three teenagers that looked like they were 16 or 17 years old broke into our girls' our ladies' dormitory there on the campground, which is fenced in. But they broke into that complex, and they broke into two rooms and destroyed those two rooms. They broke the, they broke the commodes to pieces. They beat the air conditioner to pieces. They found an old towel somewhere in one of the rooms, and they... they, uh, they uh, lighted it a fire, a flame, and they threw it on the mattress thinking that it will create a fire. But thank God the mattresses that we bought are flame retardant. Amen. God, God sometimes watches out for us when we don't know it. And so when we bought all of those mattresses, they were flame retardant. So we could have had a major fire. That whole building could have been burned up and consumed. What are you saying, Brother Cash? I said, I'm saying that to say we're living in perilous, dangerous times. Oh, I could, I could go on and on and talk about that tonight, as you know, and I, I'm not going to belabor that point until you're well aware of that. But Paul, writing to Timothy, said that in the last days, perilous, dangerous times would come. And, and then he, he goes into... A list, and I'm not going to go through that whole list because it's quite lengthy. He goes into a list of characteristics of people that will be living in these last days and will be symbolic of the times in which we live. Now third, we need to look inward. We need to look upward. We need to look outward. And now we need to look inward. What's on the inside? What makes you tick? Who are you really? <laughs> you know, we, we all have our we all have our community face. We all have our church face. We come into church with a smile and we're acting like everything is wonderful and everything is okay and it's a great time to be alive when inside you may be dying. And I'm asking the question tonight, who are you on the inside tonight? Don't, don't give me that old smiley face when you're hurting and you're dying and you're, you're pleading, God, somehow help me to get out of the situation that I'm in. Lord, deliver me from the gloom and despair that my world has become. And sometimes we just, we just need to look in inside and determine who we really are. Who are we on the inside? What does God see when He's looking at us? Because God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. He doesn't look at your smiley face. He looks beyond that. And, and you may have a you may have a smile in your heart. You may have the joy of the Lord in your heart. And you're smiling because you love the Lord and things are good. 
But if that's not the true picture of who you are, then somewhere you need to stop and begin to analyze, who am I? Who am I really? And so it, it, it begs the question then, and I'm going to ask you this, are you really saved? <laughs> Brother Cass, you're talking to church people here tonight. I've been going to this church for 20 years. You know, we, we, we could say this, but it's not true anymore. We cut our teeth on the back of the pews. But I'll guarantee you, if you start chewing on any of these seats, Brother Ronnie Reed's going to get your hide. <laughs> but that was the old saying years ago. Some of you old timers remember that. Years ago, that was the saying. Oh, I've, I've been in the church. Oh, I cut my teeth on the back of those pews. Well, some of you don't know the joy of having those old pews, those old slatted pews. And you'd sit down on them and they'd pinch you. You know, They thought you were shouting. They thought you were having a Holy Ghost spell. What really happened was you got squeezed. <laughs> you know, you... <laughs> The old timers talk about sleeping under the pews because back in the good old days, you didn't go to church and get out at 8.30. You'd go Sunday night, and sometimes it was midnight before you left to go home. And there were always people in the altar praying and seeking God to get saved or sanctified or filled with the Holy Ghost. And as long as there was somebody in the altar praying, that's when we used to come, everybody come and kneel down and pray. Call on the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the face of the Lord. And, and those were not bad times. Those were good times. Thank God for good times today. Amen. We, we have good times around here, don't we? Well, I got two people. Where are the rest of, where have you, where have you been? But these, these are things that we need to ask ourselves. Am I really saved? Have I really had a conversion experience in my life? Or did I just go to the altar and feel good? And somebody prayed for me and I fell out on the floor. And when I got up, there was no difference when I got up as when I went down. Can I hang on that one for just a minute? If you go down and don't get up different, what good was it to go down? So, so the question is right now, are you really saved? Or, or did you just have a feel-good moment? Did, did you hear the right song and the right sermon and, and the right person prayed for you? You know, if you come up here for prayer, you know Sister Bobby's going to pray the anointing on you and you're going to fall out. Or Sister Sharon, they're going to pray for you and you're going to fall out. That's okay. As long as God's in it, I'm, hey, I'm with it. Amen. I don't have a problem with that. But uh, did you just have a feel-good moment? 
and you thought, well, hey, I'm, I'm saved now. But you never repented. You never told God you were sorry that you were a sinner. You never told God that you were sorry that you had sinned against Him because all sin is against God. And somewhere we need to have that moment of experience where we say to God, I'm sorry I sinned against you. Forgive me. Forgive me and help me to be what you want me to be. So I'm just throwing out the question tonight. Are you really saved? Are you really saved tonight? I'm talking about looking inward. I'm talking about us looking at ourselves. I'm talking about us looking at our own heart. Are you really saved? If not, tonight would be a great opportunity for you to get saved, born again. Whatever title, whatever terminology you want to use, it still means the same thing. You say, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned. Forgive me. Come into my life and change me and help me to be everything you want me to be. That's what, that's what the new birth is all about. Change. If you've never changed, if you've never experienced change, maybe you need to go back to that well of salvation and get another drink. And let God do some changing in your life. Matthew chapter 15 says not, it's not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of his mouth. And, and I'll, I'll confess tonight to you, there are times that I struggle with my mouth. Um, when I'm driving down the highway and some dummy comes down, cuts in front of me and cuts me off, that old man of sin wants to jump up and take control. And I want to say something. <laughs> Don't y'all look at me that way. You've been there too. You've felt the same thing. You've experienced the same thing. It's not what goes in us that defiles us. But the Bible says it's what comes out of our mouth that defiles us. Brother Ronnie said this time and time again. Garbage in, garbage out, right? How many of you heard him say that? Well, thank God I'm not the only one here. <laughs> My hearing aids are working. Thank God. Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put into your spirit, that will come out. That's why you've got to make sure that what's on the inside is clean and sanctified and holy in the presence of God so that when you open your mouth, filth doesn't come out. Wonderful things begin to come out. Praises to the name of the Lord begin to come out because you've got it in your heart. Wow. I've got to bring this to a close. I wanted to spend... A little bit more time tonight talking about controlling your heart and, and realizing that the heart is the seat of our emotions. That's, that's the thing that controls us. I'm not going to be able to go into this, but let me just sort of throw this out to you. Who sets on your heart? Who reigns in your heart? Who controls your heart? 
who controls that inner spiritual being. It can be sin and Satan in control. And before you got saved, that's how you live. You live because sin and Satan were in control of your life. That's why you did the dumb things that you used to do and the crazy things that you used to do because sin and Satan ruled on your heart. And, and then you have this old guy called the old man that we all have. It's called the old Adamic nature, the, the nature that came upon all of us through Adam's fall so that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that old man doesn't want to die. I, I wish we could just shoot him and put him to rest, but we can't. He stays around. He always is around. That old man of sin wants to come back and gain control of your life again. So... How do we remedy that? Well, in, in church of God terms, we call that sanctification. It's when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and the, the, the person that's been ruling your life and controlling your heart, he is dethroned. He is cast away. Now, sad to say he doesn't stay away. You have to keep him down. You have to remain, you have to sanctify yourself every day. Come on now. You have, to, you have to go through this every day. Lord, help me to be in control of my life and only do those things and say those things that bring glory and honor to you. And when we fail in that expectation, then we need to go back and say, God, allow the Holy Spirit to come back and kick the old man off the throne of my heart and allow the Holy Ghost to have control of my life. Would you stand with me tonight? I have, I have number four, but I'm going to be merciful. Quit. Let me just say that number four was look onward. Look onward. Look onward. You're, mo you're moving ahead. You're pressing on. You're not going to live where you're living. You're not going to be defeated. You're pressing on because there's a goal that you have. There's a heaven to be gained. Oh, there are things that we're pressing on for. There are loved ones that we want to meet over on the other side. So we're pressing on. Pressing on. Father in heaven, thank you tonight for the privilege of being able to come and again preach in this pulpit to this congregation of people that I dearly love and respect and enjoy their fellowship. I pray that what I've said tonight will help someone to draw closer to you. If there's anybody here tonight, if there's someone here tonight, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Savior, May this night be the night that they surrender their heart to you. If there are those here that are struggling with the old man, may tonight be a moment of commitment where we lay it on God's altar and we leave it there. We don't pick it up and take it with us. We leave it on the altar and we walk away sanctified, holy in the presence of God. In Jesus' name, while all heads are bowed and all 
eyes are closed. Could our, our prayer team, are you available tonight? Would you want to come up? Those that are altar workers. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you need Jesus, would you lift your hand up tonight in this congregation? Amen. One. Someone else tonight, you need Jesus. Yes. Someone else? Anyone else? Anyone over here on my right side? Anyone over here, you need Jesus tonight? Okay. Then as we normally do, would you join with me in this prayer and pray along with these? Heavenly Father, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we know that you're our Savior. Save me tonight. Forgive me of my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Help me to walk away from this place tonight knowing that a change has taken place. Save me in Jesus' name. And amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.